0: Good morning, family. So good to be with you, to see you all, and uh, to be together um, in God's word today. Um, I'm especially thankful for our youth uh, in the service today. Uh, Normally, they would be downstairs hanging out and learning some foundations of Bible stuff. But today, we're together uh, in the service. So I'm really grateful to be able to uh, have them with us. So if you don't yet know me, uh, my name is Dave. Dave. Uh, I'm part of the team here, and I have the privilege of uh, watching over our youth and young adults. Now, here we are. You probably realize that we are deep into the Advent season, preparing for Christmas, celebrating, yes, the birth of Jesus, which also, if we're honest, means uh, we are deep into the cultural bombardment of what Christmas is supposedly all about. Now, I You might be the same as me, but uh, I can often find the Christmas pre-season a bit of a drag. (laughs) Now, let me just throw a few things out there to see if you're with me. Uh, Busyness. Isn't this the season where we just have so many things, like concerts and parties and activities, and not to mention projects and assignments and exams and finals? So what is my attitude uh, during this season? A little bit questionable. How about obligations even some good ones right i have to be here or there i have to buy this or that or bring something to this or something to that event i have family obligations i have school obligations i have church obligations and it can be a bit overwhelming so what's my attitude like sometimes a bit grumpy maybe even resentful of all the things that i'm supposed to do right now this is an easy target, but we gotta hit it. How about the commercialism or barrage of buy this, buy that because you have to have it? Maybe this special type of drink, or special placemat, or decoration, or whatever, right? Or let's not forget about buying the purse, the presents for all of those people, right? And uh, of course, this is the season where my foster kids have told me every single type of expensive gift that they want now does that sound familiar and then on top of that on top of that right we're trying to create some sort of hallmark or disney magic kind of thing and when it doesn't seem to go our way how is our attitude how is our attitude i won't even say it i won't even you know you can probably get the point Now, I don't say this. I don't say this to make us feel bad. I don't want us to feel bad about Christmas. No. But maybe collectively to get a little bit angry about how this season seems to overwhelm and steal our joy. Now, about uh, 10 years ago for me, I came on this interesting thing. It was a group of churches that were kind of getting together, and they called this little movement Advent Conspiracy, now, you're probably thinking that sounds really sketchy, a conspiracy. No, the whole point of this uh, little movement was to push back. So it says actually push back against all the busyness and all the unhelpful obligations and all the lame commercialism that we get hit with every Christmas, right? And to kind of take the season back to what it's meant to be, or more properly, who it is meant to be about. And so, Last week, uh, I introduced to the youth this Advent Conspiracy thing. It was a little video, and I showed it to them, just as an encouragement to take Christmas more for what it's meant to be. Now, one of the cool things about this movement and what they're doing is to encourage churches, to encourage Christians to make some changes, to make some big changes. Like, what can we change? And one of their models that I I think we seem to like, I heard it, you know, the youth say it a couple of times, was to spend less. And give more. Spend less, give more. It's a, that's a really cool little thing. Just really simple. And if you think about it, it's actually not about how much we can spend on this gift or that gift. But it's actually how we can give of ourselves way more. Maybe even some healthy ways. But the one I want to focus on, this one little thing in the Advent Conspiracy th- that I just thought was really cool, uh, was this big one. And it's this. Worship worship fully. Isn't that good? What a, what a call to us. Instead of taking those little, little teeny, tiny little bits of Jesus, right? Just squeeze a moment out with Jesus. Instead, to engage way more fully in our relationship with our loving God and what we can experience in the Christmas story, the gospel story. This is our story to worship fully. I just thought that was really cool. Again, it's just a little movement of churches trying to kind of do something, and it kind of built into something bigger. I thought, what a good encouragement for our youth and for us. So in all of our busyness of Christmas, all the duty and trying to get kind of out of all the greediness that this season sort of steals, the joy of our worship, and God, he just so Deeply wants us to experience the joy of Christmas. Would you, friends, open your Bibles and Bible apps and let's look again because we're looking again at a passage that we looked at in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. If you'd open that and when you find it, you can stand with me and we are going to read Luke 2 8 through 20. And when I say uh, the word of the Lord, you're welcome to say, invited to say, Thanks be to God because we could be thankful for God's word. So let me read this to you. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Gonna cool down my rock star voice. Ah, that's good. So, friends, we're going to approach this passage with just two things in mind. The first is the potential obstructions, distractions, blockades to hearing the Christmas story, some of the stuff we've already kind of alluded to. And I'm going to call this uh, section retaining or kind of keeping fear, retaining fear. And the second is how we can truly more deeply engage with the Christmas story. And I'm calling this attaining joy in Jesus or seeking joy in Jesus. So retaining fear, that sounds terrible, but Listen to how our passage begins. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Here we have ordinary people, literally kind of outside, but outside of the normal spaces of society. Not the most respected, but also a group that did necessary work the Christmas story comes to them. And it comes to them in the most amazing way. And once again, would you picture this story? I know many of you have heard this story before. Let's listen to it afresh. Here's a dark hillside with not much going on. Just resting and minding their own business. There are these shepherds. And all of a sudden, an angel... Okay, an angel appears and lights up the sky with blinding, glorious light. If you were there or if I was there in the presence of this heavenly being and this infinite light just bursting into their space, who wouldn't we be afraid? Not just a kind of little fear, but a fear that's kind of multiplied exponentially, not just startled, whoa, what was that? But overwhelmed with fear. That's how the story begins, in the presence of an angel sent from God, glorious light from God. And these ordinary folks, these shepherds, filled with great, great fear. So I'm just asking the question, what if we get stuck there? What if we get stuck there, stuck in that fear? Coming to this Christmas season, I think it's really easy to get stuck and blocked in fears and worries and alarm. And I don't want to conflate the fear. I don't want to confuse the fear that they experience with all the fears that we have. But it's just kind of opening up the story. It's opening up the reality that there is great fear, and we can get stuck in that fear. Now, here's just a few scenarios. and see if you're with me on this. Just to to see if you're kind of with me on this. Here's the first one, fear, but only fear of God, only fear of God. Maybe you and I have heard this story before, a a God of, of power and might and glory and holiness and judgment. Maybe we think God is fearful, and friends, that's not a bad place to start, as we will see, but maybe this season, you and I get kind of stuck in that space. A God of fear. Not of of grace or relationship. And as we probably know when we look around, entire religions and societies are based on fear. And you could probably just look at the news and and see how protesters are being executed in a society trying to create fear that they wouldn't do that. Now, this week, I was listening to a podcast. Now, I, I'm, I'm a much better listener these days than I am a reader. and maybe something to do with the fact that I'm getting older and my eyes aren't as good. But I like listening. And I like listening to these podcasts. There's some amazing ones out there, some super crappy ones. But there's some really good ones out there. And I was listening to a youth ministry one. And there was a Christian uh, professor from Stanford. And she was being inf- interviewed. And she was sharing some data on... Uh, many young people and why they struggle in kind of fears and, and their faith. And one factor for these fears or, or kind of pushing away against God is that it seems in our churches, we have lots of teaching about God, but we seem to be lacking in the teaching and inviting into a relationship with God. And God seems so distant and maybe even scary to approach. And many of our young people tend to drift away, if that's the only way they see God. Being stuck in this kind of fear about God, what, 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 what does that kind of look like? Well, at least for a while, when you kind of grow up in that, it's kind of showing God. It's kind of doing stuff to show God we're OK with him. I have to kind of perform to conform to practices, right? I should go to church because I'm supposed to, right? Or I should be giving because it's good, right? Or even stuff like prayer and Bible reading can seem and feel hollow because we're always trying to perform. And we tend to get a little resentful because we're doing, doing, doing stuff for God. And it seems maybe that God isn't doing what we want And we can definitely get a little resentful. So that's sort of this fear, and only fear of God. Don't worry, we won't stay there. How about fear of the unknown? Something, boom, hits you, and you're like, what is going on? And here in this story, the shepherds are kind of hit with something of the unknown. Here's this story about a, a baby and a manger with a Savior and Messiah all tacked onto it. That is a bit confusing, Right? And I don't know about you, before this story, I didn't know if I even knew what swaddling was. Maybe that's just me being a dude. I don't know. Maybe this story doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you or to me. Why do I really need this story about a baby? I don't really understand the true meaning of this story. And so when you find you're confused or shaken, don't we get a little more anxious, maybe a little more fearful? And over and over and again in the Bible, and yes, in life too, it seems we're really easy to scare. Um, Things just pop up, and they scare us. There's whole industries just doing that to scare us, right? And I mean, think about this story. You've got shepherds out in a dark field, and a devastatingly powerful being just appears and basically says, boo. They jumped. You and I would jump, right? have almost everything in life, the things that confuse us, the things that I just don't understand. And in that same podcast, it reminded us, uh, young people experience this maybe more intensely than most of us, but these big questions, these big questions that cause us fear. What is my purpose in life? How can I live a meaningful life? Who am I? Right? Those things can generate those fears and anxieties in us, can't they? Let alone family life, school life, work, friends, money. All these things create fear in us. So if I have a confusion of God and how this story of Christmas might actually be important, maybe you're thinking, all right, just don't add any more stress to my life right now just going to increase my fear and anxiety. So, most of us would probably agree that even just thinking about this only fear of God and and trying to impress Him or maybe even avoid hell, it's exhausting and it's probably taking its toll both on our spiritual life and even on our physical life. Our health can get affected by that. And maybe we're thinking, maybe this God thing isn't even good for me or for others. I don't like living in this fear. Or maybe being stuck in fear and confusion and anxiety in in life in general is reflected in my confusion and anxiety about God. Even when I try to think and understand the Christmas story, it gives me worry that I don't quite get it. And I don't like living in this fear. Fear. But the good news is coming. You do not need to fear. You do not need to fear. We don't need to be stuck in this fear. Listen again to verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not live in this multiplication of fear, this exponential fear. And I think we've already just mentioned that it would be very fearful and scary to have an angel in all his glory appear, right? And throughout all the Bible, heavenly beings in glory are devastating and awesome, right? And no one can stand in the weight of that glory of God, right? that brilliance. And a right fear of the Lord is good. It is good. It's a beginning. It's a beginning. And it's a beginning of something good, wisdom, right? But the angel is telling us, don't get stuck in that fear. Don't stay there. Why can the angel tell us this? Listen, fear not, for behold, there's a reason. Check it out, check it out. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Here's what I want, want to do with the final part of our time today. We'll consider the heart of this Christmas message, the joy of Jesus, who he is for all people, and then living joyous, even fearless faith in response to Jesus. Let me drink in here rock stars coming out. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. So check this out. You can can verify this. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, so that angel wasn't big enough, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Joy as we encounter Jesus, who he is. Savior, the Christ, the Lord. Now, just like those beautiful nativity scenes we sort of set out, or the one at Home Alone, which is also pretty awesome, uh, or, you know, those Christmas windows, those displays that are just so amazing. will we kind of take that, and, and actually, let's take a look, almost like we're looking into the story through the picture that Luke is giving us here of Jesus. So as we look, as we open that window, Look at that beautiful nativity scene. What are we seeing? The Savior. The Savior. Here is the promise that Jesus is the one who saves. The Bible is, is very clear on saving. Rescue. Deliverance. It's a saving from something into something new. Saving from slavery into freedom of worship. And you would see that in Exodus. Saving of God's people from enemies, of war to peace. Saving is the act of God to rescue his people from darkness and death and sin and this world into a new life, a new and heavenly kingdom. You and I need not fear. The joyous good news or the gospel is that this baby, Jesus, is the Savior. He is the one who has come to rescue us and save us from darkness and death and sin and the world and the devil. He came to live with us and die for us on the cross and to rise again and to give us new and eternal life. What joyous good news. As we look again through the window, we see Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the king in the line of David, come to rule his people, to lead his people, to shepherd his people. God's people are scattered and lost and broken. And even now, even now, doesn't it feel a little that way? Scattered, lost, and broken. Jesus has come, the Christ, to gather us, to carry us, to disciple us, to know God as Father, and to come under his righteous rule and judgment and mercy and eternal grace, his eternal grace, that unmerited favor of God. Jesus is the promise that you and I, have been waiting for all our lives, whether we know it or not. Jesus is the answer to our lost and fearful and scattered lives. Now peer a little closer into this window and what do you see? Jesus is Lord. What what do you look at? What do you see when you glimpse into this window? It is a window full of light and glory. Glory and power. And if you look closely enough, you will see the face of God lying in a manger wrapped in cloths. The claim that Jesus is Lord is that Jesus holds the very name of God. Hundreds of years before Jesus is born, God's prophet Isaiah says this, and we've heard it already, and we need to hear it again. In chapter 7, Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, as we know, God with us. And just a few chapters later, these are very familiar verses, and you probably want to sing the Messiah when you hear them. The zeal of the Lord of angel armies will do this. Jesus is the glorious ruler who is actually Emmanuel, God with us, mighty God, eternal King. This is good news of great joy that the angel is proclaiming. And the shepherds and and you and I are invited to see Jesus, to know Jesus as Savior, Messiah, as the Lord. And this is such good news that even the angels can't contain themselves. Even the angels, I want to see that one day when even angels can't contain themselves. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And this is thousands of God's angels praising God saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. upon those with whom his favor rests. Guess who that is? That's you and that's me as we trust and follow Jesus. Glory and peace. Oh, this is the promise, the joyous good news of Jesus. Glory. I don't know if you think about this, but glory is the very weight of God's presence. That's the promise. Peace, the shalom that is being made whole and healed by God through Jesus Christ. Glory and peace. Oh, the shepherds and we are invited into a new and joyous gospel message. Oh, that's good. Are you hearing this a little more fresh? How do they respond? How could we respond? It's a response of joyous faith. Joyous faith. Verse 15 When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I don't know how they're talking. They're probably just super excited. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They know the Lord has made known this. And they went with haste quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So what does their joyous faith look like? What can ours look like as we hear this story one more beautiful time? If I could summarize this, and we only have a few minutes, so I'm going to have to, uh, I would express the faith here in this passage as active and alive. Active and alive. Just like my throat right now. (laughs) So, what do the shepherds do when they get shocked and awed by the angelic presence? Hear this message? Do they stay in that fear? Do they stay in that fear? No. They go. They go in haste. I don't know if we use that word much, but it's a great word. They go quickly, right? They respond in a lively and active way to what they have been told by God and called by God to do. How about you? How about me? Are we actively seeking out Jesus? Even in those little moments, are we actively seeking out Jesus, who he is, and what he has done? are we actively listening to where God is calling us? Are we being intentional about listening? God, where are you calling me? And to partner with him as he calls us. These shepherds, ordinary folks, right? They were not particularly known for their clever conversations or their brilliant debating skills. That's not what they're known for. Maybe they had them, but I don't think so. They tell people what they heard just as they heard it. They share the gospel, this good news of Jesus. How about for us? I'm not saying this to make us feel guilty. Not that kind of. I kind of, don't want that to be the message here. But are we telling the Christmas story? This is our story. This is our story. Are we telling it, or we do do we feel a little bit ashamed, or, or want to be too culturally appropriate to allow that joyous faith that's hiding in us? come out as we tell what we know about Jesus. And when the shepherds, when they, when they tell Mary and Joseph, w- watch what she does. She ponders and treasures. It's just like this taking in, this bringing in right to her heart, all these promises about Jesus. How about for us? And I know this is a cheeky question. What's our treasure this Christmas? Is it is it something else, like a a new toy or piece of clothing or technology? Or is it like in my house, Pokemon? Is that your treasure? I don't know. And friends, as as we do seek Jesus out, as we do allow the, the joy to kind of spark us, will it break through our fears? Will you let it break through your fears? And so as we put the whole of this kind of message together, what are we hearing? What do what we say at the beginning? All, all the things we have covered and, and, the, and the joys and, and wonder of Advent leading to Christmas. We've got all these fears and distractions and duties and obligations, this fatigue, caught up in all this stuff, this commercialism. And it's taking its toll on our our mental health, our, our spiritual health, our physical health even, says the guy with the cold. Right? This Christmas, this Advent season, would you be encouraged to listen to the joyous good news of Jesus, this gospel of Jesus? And like verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You and I get God's word, told us Praising and glorifying God because of Jesus and this incredible encounter. And friends, I know you've heard this message year after year, but would you hear God's good news afresh? God's call to you afresh this Christmas to know Jesus and to give him your fears and frustrations and, and acknowledge that this is good news for all of us. All of us. To find joy and peace. As friends, we step into the beauty, beauty of Christmas and worship. Amen.